Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is episode 107 of the Rupert Wisconsin Show, coming from the Mina True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio here in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host producer Eric Fisher, the Big E. Joining me, member of the Highway 22 crew this week, coming from the Skype room, we've got Sean Klosterman. Sean, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. How are you? Fantastic. Glad we have a huge week of sports to talk about. Stuff finally heating up in just about every category, so plenty to talk about. Uh, with that, let's get right into it. First, got to talk about our solo partner for this now new conversation. As we are powered by Ray's Energy, RepSports.com, code ROOT, for our OOT number four, 15% off any order on RepSports.com. The reason I say solo partner is that a uh, monkey knife fight is no longer an app or a company or whatever. Bally Sports decided to put the kibosh to it as it starts to uh, try to figure out some of its financial problems and as the MLB season comes up and NBA season kind of comes to a wrap up here. So plenty, I'm sure if you you know if you pay attention to local sports and, and the sports media market um, and the cable news market. Lots of to be said about the Bally Sports company and everything that has kind of come along with that. So Monkey Knife Fight, no longer with us and no longer playing contests. Uh, we'll, maybe we'll work on getting a new Daily Fantasy Sports partner. But for the meantime, we're just rolling with uh, Ray's Energy. Kind of bummed about that. Furious George, RIP Furious George, 20, I think 2018 to 2023, RIP Furious George. Yeah, no fun. No fun. One of the coolest names for a mascot, by the way, Furious George. Right. Um, anyway, so with that, we get into the episode and talk about what we had rooted for in the last week. Uh, plenty to talk about. I know that Sean and I were very philanthropic last week. Um, which we'll kind of get to throughout the episode here. So uh, as mentioned at the end of last week's episode, I told you about uh, rooting for the Green Bay Phoenix women's basketball team. And with that, as kind of we hoped, they did win the Horizon League regular season championship outright. First time since 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, so congrats to the Lady Phoenix. The men's season already is in the books. Uh, reason we're recording here on Wednesday night, releasing on Thursday because the men played on Tuesday night, our usual recording night, and they ended their season with a 20 point loss to Wright State. Um, interesting enough, Sean, and I'm, I'm not sure how invested in the Horizon League you are, but in the six years of Matt Nagy coaching the uh, Wright State Raiders, um, coming off their conference tournament win last year where they represented the Horizon League in the NCAA tournament. With this new era of neutral site um, conference tournaments starting initially in Detroit, now in Indianapolis for the semifinals and championship rounds, Wright State has either been a first-round exit or league champion. So as of right now, Wright State is on pace to be the seventh seed in the conference tournament or conference uh, tournament championship and on pace to win it based on the last six years. Neither first round exit three times. They've been a first round exit and three times they've won the tournament. So on pace right now to win the whole thing. 
So what you're saying is you're going to the casino and putting your money on right state? I'm not sure yet because here's where it gets interesting. And we talk about we talk about any given night in college basketball, you know, across the board, whether it be the you know the number ones where there hasn't been a number one seed or number one team, I should say, excuse me, um, in the AP poll. We haven't had a number one team last longer than three weeks in the AP poll, Sean. We've had five or six different number ones. It's been a just a kind of a crazy, uh, very parody-driven year in the NCAA, uh, just across the board, right? And with that, we've seen the high majors affected. We've seen the mid-majors and the lower mid-majors affected by this. Uh, right State will now go on to face Milwaukee on Thursday at the uh, Panther Arena in the Klatchy Center, or one of the two. Uh, I think Klatchy Center, which is the on-campus venue. Um, with that in mind, Wright State has beaten the number two seed Milwaukee the two times they played this year. Wright State went 10-10 and 10 in Horizon League play. And two of those wins coming against Milwaukee. So with that in mind, you win Thursday, you've got to win two more games, and those are at neutral site, Indianapolis. So stranger things have happened, especially in this mid-major world, and like I said, the the parity-driven NBA that we're in. I I wouldn't doubt it. I'm not you know I'm not necessarily counting on it. I don't know if I'd put my money down on it, but again, history history would point in the route to say, hey, maybe throw a couple bucks down to the right state Raiders to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, because who's the number one seed in the Horizon League? Uh, Youngstown State, which interestingly enough, we're okay. talking bracketology right now. It Granted, gross. we are a week and a half away from Selection Sunday, and obviously the Horizon League is going to be a one-bid league, so it's not... You know, bracketology for these one-bid leagues is only, you know, kind of picking who's in first at the time. Uh, so Youngstown State, as it stands, you know, per Jill Lenardi and, you know, uh, Jerry Palm and all the experts, would te- would be projected to be a 15 seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, so, Sean, interestingly enough, uh, Green Bay, the women on their side of things, According to the bracketologist at ESPN, they would be the 13th seed in the NCAA tournament, currently slated for a first-round matchup against number four seed North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, over the weekend, my brother or future brother-in-law, I should say, uh, Ben was asking me if Green Bay was going to make the NCAA tournament, how I was feeling about it. And Green Bay has won 12 straight games. They've played very well against basically everybody in the turn in the conference. I did kind of caveat it by saying, you know, it's, it's hard for anybody to beat anybody, you know, two, three times a season, and especially with, you know, literally no margin for error. It's a lot of pressure, but the flip side, I was kind of thinking about it. So should green Bay win tomorrow or today, I guess when, when our listeners are listening, that would get them into the semifinals. I think, if they were to, you know, have any hopes of sneaking into an at-large bid of the NCAA tournament, they at the very least would have to get to Indianapolis next week. So semifinals or finals, I'd think that they'd probably have to get to the championship in that final game on Tuesday. However, 
as I said, I was kind of thinking about it. Green Bay does have a lot of, you know, name recognition when it comes to the women's program, especially as a mid-major, you know, the, the those tournament um, selection committees, they can vary so much year by year when it comes to either, you know, some years they want to put the mid-majors in, some years they, you know, they give a nod to a team like a Marquette's kind of one of those teams, I guess, in the women's side right now that is on the last four in, first four out. So with that in mind, you know, some years that they would give a nod to Green Bay over like a team like Marquette. Other years they'd give it to Marquette over Green Bay. Um, right now in the net rankings, which has kind of become the new metric that everyone wants to point out, you know, the quad one wins, quad two, et cetera. Green Bay is at like the kind of that 63, 64, 65 uh, spot in the country in the net rankings, which would, you know, if you're technically looking at it from the perspective of 68 teams in the NCAA tournament, that would put them in as an at-large team as of right now. Obviously, a loss probably knocks them down a little bit, depending on when that would come and who against, etc. But I think th- this could be a year where they sneak in, and it does help out on their case that because they won the outright league, the league title in the regular season, worst case scenario, they're playing in the WNIT, which isn't, you still, you know, you hope to make the NCAA tournament. The WNIT is not too shabby in the grand scheme of things. So that's my, my Phoenix route for, what do you got for us, Sean? Um, I think my route for was, I think we did the polar plunge and we had Liam's benefit on Friday night. Yeah, and so that was, I was gonna say it was a lot of fun. So I know we're gonna talk more about the polar plunge here coming up. So why don't you uh, fill us in on the Liam Strong benefit? Yeah, there was a so there was an open house Friday night which we went to, and then um did all the bucket raffles and all the big prizes and everything that way, and there was a big turnout, and I think they raised. $22,500. That is Liam and his family. So is, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I was glad to be a part. I'm glad, you know, that they ended up having the open house Friday night because that allowed us to uh, make the trek up to Jillet as well and had a truly a blast seeing a bunch of people in the community coming out for that and, um, you know, like you said, donating money to this cause and helping out with the family and everything that kind of comes along with that. So very glad to see that it turned out well. And again, you know, you kind of talk about the, you know, that 22,500 is, it's a, it's a lot of money. You know, if you really think about the the population of Jill, it's 1300, right? Give or take. That's about 20 bucks a person. Like if everybody in Jill, were to come out to that, which obviously not everybody did. But if every single citizen of Jillet came out to that benefit, it'd be about 20 bucks a person, a little bit less. Which, in that capacity, is just inc- it's incredible. And, you know, you thank the people who were able to donate and gave some of those bigger prizes. Um, unfortunately, I think I was really the only one out of our, our group of people that went that did not end up winning. But I was still glad to contribute. It's okay. It's stock. What'd you say, Sean? I said it sucks to suck. It's okay. Yeah, whatever. But <laughs> the real win was the fact that everybody came out for Liam and and had a good time. It sounds I think the basketball I think Jill won the basketball game on Saturday too. 
Um, yeah, I, I think they. I don't know that for a fact. I should probably have nailed that down before we started recording, but that's neither here nor there. So, anyway, with the positives do come the negatives. That brings us to our Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week. And honestly, this was kind of a tough week for me uh, to find a real Noogie or negative story or negative element. Um, I think, though, if I'm going to pick one, I'm going to go Manny Machado. And Okay. I know Brewers fans, we love to hate on Manny Machado since 2018 with that where he stepped on Jesus Aguilar on first base in the NLCS. And it's fun to boo him. It's fun to hate him and whatever. What I don't like about Machado here, though, and why he gets my nuggie this week. So I don't know if you saw his contract situation, Sean, where he signed an extension with the Padres after threatening to opt out at the end of the season. And what baffles me, I believe when he signed the deal, and I think we're only two year or two or three years into this deal. I don't, you know, he was planning on being there for the long term. I don't, I don't quite get to sign an extension with the team that you're already on, except for more money, I guess, but just an overall bad look. Um, I think, you know, we've talked about kind of how, the NBA contracts are getting, or excuse me, NBA, MLB contracts are getting really player dominant. And as they kind of should be, given how owner heavy the league has been and how team driven it has been as opposed to player driven contracts. But at the same time, I think when you kind of get into these things, you're kind of going to, you might risk turn, turning into the NBA. And that's kind of where I was going with this in the sense of if you give the players these opt outs, you know, two, three years in, or even if it, and I think maybe it was even kind of looking back, might be this is the third year or fourth year of that deal. If you're giving an opt-out four years out of a, after a 10-year deal and you're able to re-sign and restructure that money for so much more, I think it's just a really bad look. And usually I'm right. very, I'm very player-driven. I'm very, you know, the player should go get the money they can and that's why their agents are writing these contracts. It just, you know, it doesn't help that it's Manny Machado. I think he's a douche the way it is, but. Yeah, I, I did see this and I'm usually you see this on teams that aren't doing well, but I feel like the Padres are going to be one of those teams this year that are going to do good because they have all those big name players. But I guess once again, it is what it is. And it's, it's not my way. That's what it comes to. So, yeah, not my money. So I guess that's the only positive here. If the Padres want to keep him around and that's the route they want to go and and do that, great for them. Your Noogie of the Week, Sean. Um, I know this might have been a Noogie a while ago, but I'm still going to – I'm going to go with Brett Favre for Sue Pat McAfee again because this whole thing's coming out again and it's it's just getting worse and worse. Yeah, why not, why not, so we, as we've talked about, and we've got to be very careful because I don't want us to get sued next. But That's pretty sweet, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> we have no <laughs> insurance. We have no – This, we are not the people that should be getting sued. Right. But if Brett Favre's checking this out, you know, of our – and I know we joke about our listener numbers. If Brett Favre is one of our, like, 20, 25, even 100 people that listen to this show – 
I guess we kind of deserve to get sued at that point, but uh, so I'm going to be very careful. Allegedly, Brett Favre was allegedly taking money from the state of uh, Mississippi for a personal project that sh- with money that allegedly should have been going uh, towards welfare in other areas. Um, Pat McAfee allegedly was one to kind of talk about this, make jokes about it, talk, you know, apparently allegedly made some disparaging comments and allegedly hurt the credibility of Brett Favre and and everything with that. Um, What's the lawyer terms? It's defamation of character or something like that. Right. So allegedly this has all been going on. Uh, Pat McAfee is indeed after much speculation. uh, Pat McAfee did get his legal papers where he's been served a lawsuit. So we don't have to allege that there's an alleged lawsuit. There is indeed a lawsuit. But I don't, I don't know, Sean. I this if if all this Brett Favre stuff is true, and even if it's not, I I just I don't see this as a win for him. No, no because matter. first of all, his post Green Bay days <laughs> have very allegedly not been great. We know the whole situation with New York. Yeah. Uh, with the reporter and everything that kind of was alleged to happen there. We know the kind of, you know, the, the different business dealings and, and everything that's kind of not been going great on that front. So it's really just been a not great retirement for Favre and, and even an end of playing days. And, you know, there's a number of different things and, you know, you feel bad for the guy because on the one element you think about the, you know, he's talked, he's been very vocal about the memory issues and everything kind of comes with that. But you also kind of think about, okay, you know, you're going after Shannon Sharp and Pat McAfee. You know, Shannon Sharp can hold his own. He's got Fox Network or Fox Sports Network to kind of cover him on first take. And, you know, he's not going to be harmed by any sort of what's probably going to happen there is going to be a settlement out of court. But Pat McAfee is one of the most popular internet people and really one of the more popular people, sports figures in sports media because he doesn't do it the traditional way, because he's not going to pull punches and this, that, and the other thing. So the other side of this and where, where I think this gets most interesting is I don't think Pat McAfee is going to want to settle. I think he's going to want to take this to court because that's going to put, have to put evidence and go to trial and discovery, which is where the you know each side presents their evidence of where this is legitimate and not, and I think this opens a whole can of worms for Favre that I don't think he wants to open. Right, I totally agree with you that I think that McAfee's for sure going to take it right to court because that's just who he is because he doesn't want to deal with the BS, and it's probably going to unearth some more stuff that we probably don't even know about. Right. And that's, that's where this gets really confusing to me as to, I, you know, I'm sure he was just assuming that, you know, you sue them. They're probably going to try to settle out of court. That's the way most of these types of situations go, but you're suing the one guy who gives no bleeps. Right. About most things. Right. And who's just 
fringe enough to actually take this thing to court and you know make you present evidence of where you're in the right and just going to cost you more and more money well yeah because you're going to have the legal fees even if you win you still have a lot of legal fees to come out of a case but um, if, he, if he loses he's got to pay both sides are, are both sides countersuing as well no no just if he, if he, this goes to court i'm pretty sure if you're the guy that makes it go to court and you lose, you have to pay Pat McAfee's legal fees. I believe, yeah, I'd have to get, we'd have to I believe to how that, that, that's how it works. I'm not a hundred percent, but I, I'm pretty sure that's how that works. So that I mean, makes, that makes sense. Allegedly. I'm, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a legal expert. I do know some, but I'm not going to pretend that I know this. Right. I think I think you're right, but you know you're you're possibly having to pay out both both sides if if allegedly <laughs> our people are gonna start just drinking when they hear allegedly. But right. if, if this is the case where you know if he does have to pay out both sides if he loses, he has to you know put his evidence out there, win or lose, it still looks bad. Because I'm sure, like you said, there's going to be things that come to light that even if it's not, you know, technically illegal, it's still going to make him look like a bad guy. I, I really, I don't get it. No, I don't get it at all. Just, why, why can't you just have a nice, quiet retirement and just ride off into the sunset like, like he had been and... But when he was, I mean, he was doing the NFL, um, the NFL Sirius XM show every week. And, you know, he's, he really has, I, you know, you say quietly and I don't, you know, it's been quiet, but also, you know, we always, we talk about all the Aaron Rodgers situation, which we are going to get into later in the episode. Uh, but he's been pretending that he's on this forefront of information where, you know, if anybody doesn't know the, the actual situation, I think it's Aaron or it's Brett Favre. Well, right, because he he didn't like Aaron to begin with, and I don't think they've really been talking talking anytime recently to begin with. So yeah, I, I think they're civil enough to you know get along when they have to. Right, but and maybe maybe Aaron did reach out you know within the last handful of years here about just the retirement process. I think that's something Aaron said. But at the same time, it's not like he's texting him every day. I don't think Brett Favre's in that quote-unquote inner circle. I could be right. wrong about that. I, I'm going to say I don't – allegedly, Brett Favre is not the inner circle. No. <laughs> so no. I find that hard to, to picture that that would be the case. Yeah. If he is, by, you know, I'll credit to him. That would really throw everybody for a loop. Yep. Brett Favre, Greg Jennings. Jermichael Finley. Yep. All, all three of those guys. John Kuhn, because John Kuhn's, I mean, he works for the Packers, but he's he's actually one of the more positive people about Aaron. Right. I, I could see John Kuhn being an actual part of it, but not any of the other ones, maybe. Allegedly. Right. All right. Anyway, so that's our Nuggies of the Week. Uh, yeah, none really otherwise come into mind. I think, you know, people are kind of, Keep, oh, I mean, we could talk. Well, we could talk about the whole Alabama basketball situation. I think it's probably best to avoid that. Yeah, that one we just. Um, 
and the Georgia football situation. I think that's probably best to avoid right now because those are actually actual legal investigations. Right. Um, some not great stuff happening down south. We don't need to get shut down. Right. But uh, not great stuff happening. Very sad circumstances coming out of both the SEC for basketball and football. Um, if you want to do your own research on that, by all means, go ahead. Uh, this is usually a pretty happy show, I think. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I forgot my I forgot another root for it. I had Kevin Harvick on one for making his 750th career or consecutive start, right? Is that yeah, what it was? Yeah, consecutive. Consecutive. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to, you know, I got to say, I got to give credit to Kyle Busch, too. And Kyle right. Busch is one of the best villains in NASCAR. Yeah. And... What I saw Sunday when he, because I, I don't know if you've been paying attention uh, more to NASCAR as of late, Sean, but I definitely know since we started this show, uh, Justin and Ramsey have gotten me really into it a lot more than I had been the last probably five, ten years. Yeah. Um, but seeing the crowd's reaction to Rowdy uh, getting the checkered flag at Fontana really kind of brought a smile to my face. And I have res- I have gained a lot of respect in the last probably three, four years for Kyle Busch. Because I-, I love the way that he actually embraces the villain. Well, yeah, you, you almost have to if you're Kyle Busch. So, I mean, he could let it bother him. I mean, you know, there's guys, you know, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, I think they wear that stuff on their sleeve. Yeah. You can tell that it bothers them, and they try to embrace it, and they come off looking even worse. Yeah. But, but uh, good old Rowdy, Kyle Busch. Has really embraced it. It's become his thing. And like I said, they had the cheers and, and just everything that kind of went with that on Sunday with his win. Awesome. Awesome to see. And and again, getting some love finally. I think it helps that he's back in a Chevy. Um, yeah. It's weird kinda, seeing him in the number eight, though. Yeah, that has been, has been hard been to, to swallow. But at the same time, if anybody was going to race that number eight car... Yeah. I think it should be Kyle Busch and, and racing for RCR. And, you know, you don't want to get way too far ahead. We're only in the second race. But if anybody was going to win a cha- another championship since the great Dale Earnhardt, it'd have to be Kyle Busch, right? Right. And so, I think it'd be him and Kurt became the winningest brothers in NASCAR history, too, with the win on, the, win on Sunday. I don't doubt that. I don't know that for fact. I'm pretty sure that sounds something like that. If it hasn't already happened, that it wasn't too far off, and that would make sense. Because it was the Allison brothers that were the leaders, and I think the Bush brothers passed them this weekend. Where do you think the Wallace brothers are on that? Like Rusty and Kenny. And Rusty's the only one that really won. (laughs) I I know. (laughs) Kenny was funny as, as all get out, though. Or Daryl Waltrip and Michael Waltrip. That's true. You you know, you don't Michael really... Waltrip's goofy personality kind of gets in the way of how much you, you, know, you think about how good he was. And good old DW has been out for so long where you kind of forget that he was a a great racer for Hendricks and a number of other right. cars he was in. Trying to think of other brothers. Allison's. Terry and Bobby Labonte. Yeah. You'd think they have to be up there too. Yeah. Jeff and were Jeff and Robbie brothers? No. I don't even I'm not even sure they were actually related. Oh really? I thought they were. 
See, I thought that for a long time growing up, but I don't I don't believe that they were. Huh. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, trying to think. I think that's all the I mean, you could look at uh Junior and Carrie Earnhardt, but you know, Carrie didn't really have that same success. Right. Um Yeah, I'm just you know, you th- you know, looking back, you'd think maybe the Labantes would be higher up there too. Because Richard and Kyle Petty are father son, right? Correct. And then and he didn't end up, I don't think, having a cup win. But then uh, Kyle and Adam were father son too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really trying to, I'm trying to think of any brothers I can think of. I know there's so many I'm, I'm missing. I know that we're if we're just talking strictly NASCAR, you probably don't throw the Andretti family in there, but yeah, you're true. talking about racing as a whole. They'd probably get a nod or two. Yeah, huh. that's a good conversation to have at a time where we actually have research going on. Right. Well, <laughs> who does who does research for a podcast? Uh, sometimes I do. I like to pretend <laughs> I'm prepared. Tonight's not one of those nights, but true, true. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> only when on the podcast. What's that? That's only when we have Sean on the podcast that we do research. Uh, well, it depends on how serious the stuff we're talking about. Sometimes <laughs> I think that's, but this is not one of those things. I, I could very, but in the time that we've been talking about this, I could probably very easily have Googled it, but yeah, that's a lot of work. I agree. Anyway, uh, so we go from the world of NASCAR and our positives, which brings us to our weird wisconsin web story of the week and we probably usually would have already talked about this but it is time to talk about this now and that being eric and sean the highway 22 crew participating in the polar punch for special olympics wisconsin and the reason we're saving this here for this end is that the roof for wisconsin show got some love on the uh the local media circuit here in green bay where Channel 5 WFRV, the CBS affiliate out of Green Bay, uh, had some uh, camera there for the polar plunge. And once you know, the second video clip or the third video clip is Eric and Sean jumping in. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So I do got to say, just while we're kind of talking about this, this year I think was a lot better than last in terms of the walk itself. 100%. And... So for those of you who don't know or haven't seen our videos um, on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you get your social media videos, it's actually on YouTube now too. Um, you get a YouTube channel? Yeah, we do for the Back to the Roots show, which I don't believe we'll be recording this week, but I believe is hoping to be back in rhythm next week. Nice. Oh yeah, we have a YouTube channel, Sean. Nice. Uh, anyway, so we've got a little plug there, Sean. Uh so as as mentioned, we last year it was our second year doing it last year was at Lambeau Field for the Polar Plunge and was at uh, they had like a pool. Sean infamously broke the ladder when he's trying to get out of the water. I had to go to the far end of the pool because Sean broke the close one and it was it was just frigid. I but, was the only one that broke the ladder, so you can't just say I just broke the ladder. I can I ladder. can in this case because. You did indeed break the ladder for this conversation. Well, well maybe you got to be faster with getting in and out. I mean, I, if you didn't, I would have broke it because it, it was not very sturdy. But Exactly. But I'm just going to say, you broke the ladder. That is factually what happened, is it not? 
and I had my Crocs in four wheel drive, so I didn't have to go searching for my Croc. I I understand that, but I'm just saying, did that like or, somebody? Is that what happened, or is that not what happened? Allegedly. No, 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 no. Well, we have video proof of this. There is Alleg- no alleged. Allegedly, that's what happened. Okay. So this year, instead of being in a pool at Lambo, I'm guessing due to the construction and and I think you know with them also having the uh, the both the hunting expo and I think there was something else going on that day too. I'll let Spacho. The Spacho, thank you. Um, it was not at Lambo Field. It was at Ashwaubenon Park and the Brown County Fairgrounds. And instead of a pool, it was the Fox River. Which, you know, kind of going back to the first time we had done the Polar Plunge a number of years ago at the watering hole, this was, like I said, so much better. I think the open water helps a lot, and having it more dispersed instead of poured like the night before or a couple nights before. Well, you you figure that that pool had almost six inches of ice on it when we jumped in it last year from the night before. Right, and they chipped it away that morning, and... For the most part, the Fox River was largely open at that part. Right. Um, there was a good, you know, Shauna took great video. Secretary Shauna doing great work, uh, taking great pictures and video prior. But, yeah, it was absolutely just kind of one of those where it's, oh, yeah, this is, there's open water, a lot more dispersed for the, uh, the cold to spread out. It had been kind of warm last week and early this week. So, all in all. Like I said, a lot, lot more pleasant experience. Um, did not lose a croc until after I got out of the water this year. So another positive did, there. Did you notice the hot tubs when we when we went to jump? I did when we were when we first got there and they had them kind of out and Sean was like, "Oh, they have hot tubs this year." And I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." But I also wasn't, you know, I to be honest with you, I wasn't 100 percent sure that's what they were because it was kind of by like the power. Bank situation. I didn't even notice them until the like the video came out on Facebook of the guy being interviewed in the hot tub. See, I was gonna say I recognized it when when we got out because I expected you to go in there right away because I I was kind of thinking that they were guiding you to go in there first and then go change. I'm not no. sure why I expected that to be the case, but you took off like a bat out of hell to get to the, the changing, um, which I think I also, while we're talking about it, was a lot better set up this year than being in the back of a semi-trailer. Right, it was. So credit to the Polar Plunge and Special Olympics Wisconsin and all all the kind of organizing factors there. Like I said, just a great event. Uh, if you want to check out the news video of Sean and I jumping in, uh, we have the news video on our Facebook page. And then we also have, like I said, our TikTok slash Instagram reel slash Facebook reel slash YouTube uh, video that Shauna made of kind of the whole day on our end of it, or the whole event, I should say. It wasn't the whole day for us, but the whole event. Um, Shauna has a great video that she put together. So shout out to Secretary Shauna. And, and thank you for everybody that donated. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you to Kathy and Carolyn and uh, Sammy and Kelly and Jody. I believe that's all of our donors for this year. I think so. Trying to get more here. Always trying to get more. Um, Very, you know, it's one of those things that 
I, you know, I was telling Shauna, this is one of those things where I woke up and I'm like, why the hell do we do this? I woke up that morning. I'm like, this is just not a, this is one of our not greatest ideas. I know we were kind of going back and forth on whose idea it was originally. And I don't think we landed on a strong conclusion. It was yours. I still think it was yours. I, you know, I didn't say no. So I, I guess I, I'm just as guilty in the grand scheme of things, but yeah. either way goes. It's for a great cause. It's a lot of fun already ready for next year. Can't wait. Yep. It was a great time. So that is our weird Wisconsin web story of the week or Wisconsin web story of the week. I don't, we didn't need to really nail down the name of that. Um, I try to get it to WWW. It's not always negative. That's, or it's not always weird. That's, that's where I kind of run into. It. I want to get the WWW, but anyway, so with that, that gets us into the sports world, Sean, and plenty to talk about. I know we talked about the Phoenix already, uh, for the women and the men, like I said, their season kind of the men's season coming to a close. The women's postseason just starting tomorrow night or tonight, technically. Um, and you know, guaranteed at least WNIT berth, hoping for the NCAA tournament berth. So, looking around the state of college basketball, uh, Milwaukee will be hosting Wright State, as mentioned earlier, for the men's side. So, they are still very much alive in the NCAA, but also in in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Marquette Golden Eagles winning their first outright Big East title last night. They clinched already. They have their final game of the regular season on Saturday prior to the start of the Big East tournament next week. Uh, really just a fun team that I think has a serious chance at making a, a deep run in the NCAA tournament this year. I finally got a chance to watch them last night for the first time since they played Wisconsin. Good. And like I said, just a really interesting team. They they play very good defense. They get to the rim at will at times and have different shot creators. They shoot the ball very well. And if that's not falling, like I said, they have other ways to score. They don't go on those long scoring droughts like, you know, you see Green Bay and even the Badgers doing at times. They they are deserving of that sixth ranked in the country rating, and I think they have a very good chance with a, a decent Big East tournament showing to possibly lock down a one seed, maybe being the first two seed, kind of having their preference, if you will. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be great for, for them to make a nice run. And, I mean, the Badgers are struggling, so they're probably not even going to make it, right? Uh well unless they have a unless they have a good tournament I guess so where they are right now um even after a tough loss on Sunday that should not have happened um the Badgers going into that game Sunday they were a five point dog to Michigan on the road and they did end up they had to lead uh, you know the the whole second half was back and forth uh, about seven minutes left in regulation. They took the lead and then started going back and forth with a lot of lead changes. They were up three with eight seconds left to go, Sean. Yeah. And they tried to follow on the inbound. They had shot two free throws, went up uh, by three. They tried to follow on the inbound. And whether the ref didn't call or they didn't actually make a good enough foul, they Michigan won the length of the court. Um Fine. I think I think they finally I think they had an out of uh, shot 
go get blocked out of bounds. That's what it was. Connor Sejian went up. No, it wasn't Connor. It was uh, Cal Klesman went up and blocked a shot. Max Klesman, sorry. I'm just all over the place. Max Klesman, the uh, Nina Wisconsin product, went up, blocked a shot on a three-pointer that made me like, ugh, you know, why you, you know, if you're going to foul in the last 10 seconds, you don't want to foul to put the guy in the line with, you know, to tie it. And then it ended up being clean. You know, it was kind of one of those. We were at, uh, Sean and I were at Buffalo Wild Wings watching. And for some reason, they had the audio on the Lakers-Mavs game. And right at the same time, there was a whistle. So then with 2.1 seconds left, um, Michigan inbounds. And again, instead of following right away, they allow the inbounds pass to go to Hunter Dickinson. And credit to him, he he got a pass over... Um, Jordan Davis, Johnny Davis's brother, and was able to catch and shoot from probably about 36 feet and splash a three to tie the game and go to overtime. And then from there, it was all Michigan. Um, so even with that loss, as of Monday, Joe Lunardi and Jerry Palm both still have the Badgers as one of the last four teams in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do. They do play Purdue at home. And we all know who how good Purdue has been. Uh, they are one of those teams that has had the number one seed or number one ranking, I should say, in the country for some time. Um, they are beatable. Whether or not Wisconsin gets the job done, you know, you kind of count on that technically being a loss. You got uh, Minnesota, who's been struggling this year to end the regular season. I think you have to win one or two Big Ten tournament games at the very least to sneak in. And as we kind of talked about with the Phoenix on the flip side of, for the women, if you don't have the greatest showing, you kind of put yourself at that really, you know, what is the committee going to do? Are they going to give a nod to a very good team that we've seen, you know, or, or a traditional team that we've seen had some good games this year? You know, you you kind of look back at that Kansas game where they took them to the limit. They have a win over Marquette. Um they had to win over, like, I think a top 10 team in Maryland earlier this year. Or a then top 10 team, I should say. So you've had some very good wins. You have a couple ugly wins, like the one over Green Bay, went to the wire. Um, and we saw how bad Green Bay's season was. They were literally one of the worst teams in the NCAA by the net ranking. And then we've seen some, you know, some bad losses. They really struggled at home this year, which you don't really, not in the college level anyway you expect. I think Actually, you know, just while we're talking about it, uh, out of state Duke went perfect at home. The first, I think, NCAA coach to go perfect at home in their first season, John Shire. So shout out to uh, Duke Blue Devils basketball. But, ooh, ooh. but, but you see my point, and and you don't, you know, especially in the Big Ten, you can't be losing games at home. So depending on their tournament run and. How some of these other teams that are kind of on that bubble doing theirs, you know, you kind of, you kind of hope that some of them get a, you know, maybe maybe one of them makes a run in their conference tournament, gets an automatic bid as opposed to uh, being at large. So that there's less teams to kind of have to jockey over. Um, you know, you kind of hope that some of these, you know, maybe some of the mid majors have some upsets, like or maybe like a right state making an NCAA tournament appearance where. They, you know, that Youngstown State where they were at the 15 line, they become a 16 with Wright State. 
and then they're playing a play-in game, which opens another spot in the the at-large field too. Right. So it's really one of the most interesting times of the year. I I love this. Yeah, it's going to be a crazy March, no matter what. So just looking we, forward to all the tournament games. These next two weeks, or really two and a half weeks, because I'm going to, I'm going to count starting yesterday. Um, these next two and a half weeks are one of the best times in in sports. You've got conference tournaments for the NCAA, mid majors and majors. You've got all the celebrations, the court storms, the the upsets. You've got, you know, you look at the play-in games. You've got Selection Sunday in there, and then you've got that, and then you've got the girls Wisconsin girls state basketball tournament here in Green Bay, the boys state uh, tournament at Madison, just a great time as we, like I said, we kind of end the season um, with just one of the best times to be a basketball fan. Truly is. Any any girls teams from around here going to state? Uh, they have sectionals this weekend. So oh, sectionals, sectionals will be this, this weekend. Week. And then next weekend, the 11th and 12th are, uh, excuse me, the 10th. Or 9th, 10th, 11th. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. It's uh, stayed at the Rush Center. Oh, all right. So hopefully, you know, kind of working on possibly have some up to something, you know, quote Pat McAfee, maybe some up to something type uh, situation. Working on maybe attending that state tournament in Green Bay. If not, uh, you know, be sure to check at the very least, be sure to check out the Back to the Root show with me and Justin. Um, Hopefully get back kind of underway next week. Talk about girls basketball and boys basketball as the playoffs get underway. Uh, boys regionals just starting earlier this week. Girls sectionals will be this week. So just one of the, like I said, just great. You know, you've got tournament basketball, lots of seasons ending, lots of emotions kind of coming back with that too, where you think about, you know, your last game and either, you're either going to end on a loss or you're going to end on a state championship. Great. Only only one group of guys and girls are going to end their season on a win. Yep, that's very true. You, that's in the state of Wisconsin, or at least in the state of Wisconsin, that really kind of happens across the board, except for football. Football is the only team you, or sport you have to qualify for playoffs in, uh, for the team sports anyway, but... Yeah, Wisconsin and high school sports are really, like I said, one of those only where you you end in a loss. So, interesting time to be a a basketball fan. With that, we can talk about uh, spring training the Brewers. Games officially getting underway over the week, or this last weekend. Kind of, I actually caught myself watching. I think they've had two TV games. I caught myself watching yesterday afternoon. This should be a fun year to be a Brewers fan. I think the offense is finally going to be where we want it to be as baseball fans. Um, I, I feel like this offense is a lot more well-rounded. Nice to see Christian Yelich looking healthy yesterday on TV. Um, and really across the board, Sean, this Brewers team, I mean, you look at the older guys kind of performing yesterday. Like said, Yelich started the game off with a leadoff double. Um you look at Rowdy Telez hit a home run yesterday. You had Brian Anderson, the third baseman, hitting a home run yesterday. Getting lots of pop from some of these guys that you hope to get pop from. And 
on the flip side, you have a lot of young uh, – Sal Freilich has been incredible already in the spring. And he'll be participating for Team Italy in the World Baseball Classic starting uh, this weekend. Games will get underway. But Sal Freilich has been one of those names that's kind of been the darling of camp so far. And if you don't have – if you haven't seen him play – uh, whether it was with him when he was with the Timber Rattlers two years ago, and I believe he even may have started the season with them last year. But if you haven't seen him play, he he has a very he's a left-handed batter, very short, compact swing. Uh, Vinny Rotini uh, said it's it's a very s- soft swing, if you will, but a lot of pop behind it. He had a big double yesterday. Um, as well, he's been just driving in runs left and right all year. So very, very fun time to be a Brewers fan in that capacity as we kind of gear up for the uh, regular season. And the World Baseball Classic getting underway finally this weekend. Uh, the U.S., I believe, is the second favorite to win it all after their championship in 2017. Okay. After the Dominican, I'm assuming? Correct. Okay. So, just a it, like I said, just a fun, it's a fun time to be a sports fan right now. You've got baseball getting underway, and Sean, we're finally we're in March. We will get regular season baseball by the end of the month. Wait, that's crazy. Not, and, and that's not even talking World Baseball Classic, where you're gonna have competitive games going on in less than a week. Yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. So, baseball is, I'd say, officially back, and. We've got, uh, like I said, the bats are already looking pretty good. Uh, you, obviously, it's a long season. You hope to sustain. You hope guys stay healthy. But as it is right now, we've kind of got some fun brewing in Milwaukee. So do you, you think Sal Freilich's going to make the opening day roster? or I think given, well, I'm going to caveat this. Given what we know about how teams handle prospects, we oh, probably yeah. won't see Sal Freilich until at the very at the very earliest May or June, because they'll try yeah, to get for, at service time for arbitration purposes and whatnot. Yeah, um, I, always forget that. I think a guy who has a very good chance at making a regular season roster spot that wasn't even on the team until about a week ago is actually Tyler Naquin. Oh, okay, yep. Uh, he had a pretty decent game yesterday, and for this is just the the TV game that was on yesterday. But they've, you know, he's been seemingly hitting pretty well, and with his glove, and especially Tyrone Taylor is currently questionable to start the year. Uh, whether or not he'll be on the opening day roster, if he'll be starting the year on the IL, so that could open a spot for him to start the season on the opening day roster. He's kind of a utility guy that kind of plays all over the place too, isn't he? Or is he just an outfield? I believe he can. Um, I'd have to look to be sure, but I, I he has that. a lot of outfield spots. He plays a lot of different outfield positions. Um, I'm okay. not sure if he's if he plays infield and outfield, but it's been a, it's been a pretty good year all already. And granted, we've only been playing games for less than a week. But you look at some of these performances you're getting out of these younger guys that you kind of have your hopes of being the guys in the future in the next couple of years here. Bryce Terang has had a pretty good camp as well. Um, 
just trying to find some of these early spring training stats here. And again, very early on, Garrett Mitchell had two home runs on on Saturday, Sean. Wow. Um, as of right now, Mike Brasso has two home runs. Rowdy Telez, Garrett Mitchell, all lead the team with two home runs. Brian Anderson, uh, first-round pick last year's draft, Eric Brown Jr., shortstop, has a home run. Uh, Cam Devaney, Hedbert Perez, he's one of the younger prospects on the team. Abraham Toro, who you acquired in that trade with Jesse Winker, uh, has a home run. Luis Urias, Wicko, has a home run. Looking at average, trying to take a look here at some of these other stats for the Brewers. Um, so what are, what are the Brewers projected to be in the Central? They're projected to be second? Depending on what you're looking at, they have, you know, MLB on Fox has them as the first place team. An oh, really? eight-win season for the Brewers. Um, some other media outlets having them in that category as well. So, what's eighty-eight wins, eighty-eight and seventy-six, right? Something like that. Eighty-eight and seventy-four. Oh yeah, hundred sixty-two. That's right. That's my bad. Um, and just to kind of wrap up here. So the only, I mean, technically because we're only a couple games in for averages. Uh, only Sal Freilich has had 10 plate appearances. I think <laughs> 400, Sean. So yeah. 4 10 in those early handful of games. Um, 900 OPS, two stolen bases, and an RBI. Nice. So, so, so pretty much where we're going is it should be if somebody somebody does end up getting hurt, it should be next man up and coming out of the minors and everything that way too, right? That's where I'm thinking. I mean, you have you have kind of some wiggle room with the deep or with the outfield uh, with Naquin kind of maybe making that spot. You have you can let Tyrone Taylor take his time. Garrett Mitchell will have options if you want to maybe have him start the year down in AAA. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's a major league ready player. I think he should be on the major league roster to start the year. I think he showed enough in September of last year that he should be a major league or on the opening day roster for sure. Yeah, I would I would wholeheartedly agree with you on that. Uh, you know you're going to have Yelich. You know you're going to have Jesse Winker, who's more than likely going to be your main DH this year. Um, So you do have depth in the outfield. But if you do, you know, Sal Freilich is an excellent option. You probably assume that Tyler Naquin could be one of those guys, you know, kind of a triple-A, you know, high or major league club bounce back guy back and forth depending on injury situation. Um, we've even seen some utility use out of Bryce Terang, one of the higher infield prospects, kind of showing yeah. his his ability and maybe you know earning a play out or a playing spot. Um, you have a guy like Owen Miller who has played infield outfield, who hasn't been talked about a whole lot as another Brewers acquisition from the Cleveland Guardians. Um, Abraham Toro, I believe, can play both infield outfield. So lots of those kind of utility guys were major league ready and you're looking at, you know, next man up, whether it be a, kind of a, a quote unquote proven player like Naquin or some of your prospects like Freilich, like Terang. Um, you know, I know I was I was talking on Twitter with a Brewers fan because for some reason or another, I I love the Brian Anderson signing. I don't know about yeah. you, Sean. 
I was so excited about that, but I do get the Brewers fans out there who are pessimistic with a one-year prove-a-deal because usually, at least the last few years as it's gone by, those one-year prove-it guys have been, and then they leave. But honestly, if they perform very well, it, you know, if, if Brian Anderson performs at a high level on a one-year $9 million deal, it ends up going three ways, one of three ways. And I think this possibility is something that's kind of been ignored or at least um, hasn't been talked about enough and, you know, with a positive light. So you have one of three choices. You have one, option one, you re-sign him, kind of like you did with Mike Moustakas a couple years ago. You give him another one-year deal. Next year, maybe a little bit more. Or even signing him to a little bit of a long, you know, a two, three year deal like we've had with like Colton Wong and some of these other guys. So that's option one. Option two, he poops the bed and you're not out that much money. And then he leaves and then it's whatever. But at the same time, because it's a one year rental, either with a playoff, you know, with another playoff appearance or whatever, again, if he poops the bed then you have some pressure on the front office to go get another new rental option. Or option three, which I think often gets missed, especially given the last few years where the farm system has been. But maybe Brian Anderson truly is just a one-year rental because you're truly trying to have a stopgap with, you know, maybe getting some, uh, you know, being able to ease up Bryce Terang, not have him burn that service time right away. You have Luis Urias playing second this year, but you know he can play third at a high level like he did last year. So maybe if you have Brian Anderson at that that one-year deal, come this time next year, you're looking at, you know, he goes on his own route. Uh, Terang comes up. He plays second or, or third for that matter, probably second. And then Wicko moves back to third. Or you got a, or you got option four. They struggle this year, and he has a good, he has a good year. You trade him for more prospects. I mean, yeah, there's, that's too. There's a whole bunch of stuff that can, they can actually happen. Ab- yeah, absolutely. So that, that is the fourth option too. You know, you kind of hope that that's not the case. But if that is the case, where, you know, he's hitting three. Let's say he's hitting four hundred, but the team's only winning. You know, four hundred. Yeah, they're at, at five hundred. They're at five hundred or worse. Yeah, absolutely. Come July, you dump that contract and you get some, you know, people looking for that rest of the season rental and you're not out too much money the way it is. You get a, you know, prospect or two or another major leaguer with maybe some longer service time. Who knows? Right. So, yeah. Who's the last guy that I was thinking that was a third baseman that was a rental? That uh, played Aramis. He had Aramis Ramirez, too. Oh, yeah. I always forget about him. I forget that he was a brewer, right? There's so many guys that, you know, grow that we had growing up that played for the brewers at the end of their career. That just elude me at times yeah. as a brewer. I, I right. see something about the, the great, the top 10 center fielders of all time. And Jim Edmonds was on there and I forgot he was a brewer. Yeah. Cause there were like four former brewers on the, or, yeah, it was the top center fielders of the 2000s. 2000 okay. now. And it had Jim Edmonds. Jim Edmonds. Let me guess. Gomez is probably on there. Nope. Gomez was not on there. Uh, Locaine. Nope. Wasn't on there. 
Really? You said four out of the top ten were Brewers? Yep. All right, I'm I'm lost already. McCutcheon. Okay. Mike Cameron. Oh, that's right. He was a Brewer. You had Jim Edmonds. Who's the last guy? I can't remember who the last guy was. Uh, I don't remember who the last guy was. It had to be Lorenzo Cain. Like no, no, it wasn't. It was a guy who played for the Diamondbacks in like the early two thousands. It would it would have been a Slugfest guy. He was on Slugfest because it was like two thousand one, two thousand two. When he was a brewer, when he was a diamondback. When he was a brewer. He was like 30, 38, 39 at this time. I don't remember who it was. This is gonna piss me off if I don't think of it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be this is one of those where I'm gonna look up. Because if I don't yeah. think of it, it's gonna bother me. Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, Jen- it wasn't Jenkins because he didn't play center field. Jeffrey Hammonds. No. Uh, Alex Ochoa, Alex Sanchez. Oh. That's 2003? That's 2002. Let's look back at 2001. 2001. God, the team was bad back then. Holy cow. Great. Cause they... Jeremy Burnett. Was it Jeremy Burnett's? No, it wasn't him. Um, I, I don't remember who it was. That's 2001. Let's go back to 2000, and I'll go to 03 next. Who would have thought we'd be talking about Jeremy Burnett's on a on a podcast here in the year 2023? Uh, Marquise Grissom? No. Gosh, he sucked. He did suck, but Mark Sweeney? No. I forgot he was a brewer. She yeah. won't talk about it. All right. Um... You want to, there was another thing that made me sad that I seen this week, too. Everybody with Albert Pujols retiring, everybody from backyard baseball, the first backyard baseball is now retired. Oh, man. Actually, it's the first two backyard baseballs. Yeah, right. That I saw that. That made me sad as well. That, that was a gut I loved backyard baseball. That was the best game. We need it. We should. We need to give that game more love. Was it Scotty Pesednik? No, no, it wasn't Scappa said, Nick. I'm telling you, this guy was like in his late 30s or 40s. But I don't remember. Yeah, I do feel old, though. I, first of all, I'm going to go on. I, this isn't a bold take by any means. This is a very common opinion. Pablo Sanchez was the greatest fictional baseball character ever fictional sports character yes absolutely absolutely ben grieve no yeah i'm really brady clark no he's awful too he was on pros versus joe's do you remember that show i do that was always a good show to watch this is gonna drive me nuts if i can't figure this out it wasn't Carlos Lee. Nelson Cruz was a brewer for a minute. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I think I'm going the wrong way now because I'm in like 05. Yeah, you're in old, Yeah, you're you're later now. Might have been 2000. 
I don't remember. We're gonna go. To, I'm gonna look at one last one, then we're gonna move on from this, and we'll figure it out later. I mean, uh, I remember the so. Looking at even 1999, Burnitz, Marquise Grissom, Jeff Jenkins. No. I am. I'm. I'm done. That's gonna. Uh, anyway, yeah. we'll remember it after after we're done here. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. Um. Anyway, so that is our Brewers talk, which leads us to the wonderful world of Green Bay Packers football. And Bucks. Oh yeah. How how could I forget? The it's, Milwaukee Bucks yeah. are on a 15 game win streak. They have taken over the number one best record in the NBA. They really just across the board. I mean, they're winning right now. They're up 17, uh, half or just over halfway through the third quarter. So well on pace for was it Mark Reynolds? No. Damn it. He was another brewer. Um, yeah. Mark Reynolds was like 2010. Well, I understand that, but just I'm looking at like all time greatest Diamondbacks, and they haven't been a team long, so this shouldn't be this hard. Yeah, because he was a world. He was on the World Series team, whoever the guy Diamond, was. The Diamondbacks World Series team. Yeah. All right, that might make this easier. Anyway, um, yes, Milwaukee Bucks. They are up six. Well, sixteen now. Uh, up big over the Orlando Magic. Uh, they will play the NBA kind of ESPN showcase game Saturday night at the Fiserv Forum, uh, playing the 76ers. They've been doing a lot of this without Giannis. Giannis back in the lineup tonight after missing uh, time before the All-Star break and uh, since the All-Star break. Drew Holiday, Sean, I, you know, I talked about earlier watching the Badgers at B-Dubs on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And Drew Holiday has been a very slept on player nationally. And I don't think he gets the respect that he deserves. Um, and really I'll say this as a whole Wisconsin, the state of Wisconsin basketball across both NBA, NCAA, NCAA women has been incredible to watch defensively. Um, but drew holiday has been one of those players where you just don't appreciate all that he does. I mean, you talk, you know, we look at, when you hear big three, you think of, Boston, you think of Miami, you know, going back to the early 2010s. You think of those teams and, you know, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, you think Bosch, Wade, LeBron. The Bucks really do, I think, have a true big three of Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. And yeah. Drew Holiday, like I said, just he does it all. I mean, he locked down Devin Booker. All things considered, I think Devin Booker still had you know, a healthy amount of points. I don't think he was hurting for scoring, but he locked him down in the big moments. He got a steal at the end of the game, much like he did in the NBA finals a couple years back. And just has been incredible to watch. And I, you know, I kind of go back just while we're talking basketball here, still watching the Badgers. And as much as they struggled this year, offensively, they play some of the best help defense in college basketball. It's just, it's beautiful to watch. And really the Bucks kind of do that too. I love seeing the, I love seeing good help defense and good defense overall. 
as a you know kind of a sports purist, if you will. Great, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's it's just fun to watch. It's fun to watch. Good help. Good defense. Period. And the the Bucks, you know, again, Drew Holiday has been an All NBA defensive player. Um, he's been an All Star now, and still, I I still don't think he's getting enough love. He finishes at the rim. He shoots the ball well. Mark Grace, that's who. No, he don't think he was a Brewer. No, I don't have a gun. That was a Cub. Right. Anyway, back to the drawing board on that one. Um. Anyway, so the you know you look back at the at the Bucks and this fifteen game win streak and getting it done across the board with with you know Drew Holiday being in and really being kind of like the only main guy because Middleton's had his fair share of injuries this year and um after watching Sunday's game with Jay Crowder in the mix as well. I loved that pickup so much more. And I was a big fan of it when it first happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I Sean, think, I don't know how many yeah. Bucks games you've watched this year, but if you haven't watched many, you need to start. It's, they are just on a, on a roll and getting it done in all fronts. Like like we talked about at the start of the season, that we were all we were going to worry about. They were struggling a little bit at the start of the season, but once it's coming down to after the All Star break, here we're going to see what the team actually is all about and make another run here. Yeah, I, and to be honest with you, and I I I don't want to jinx anything or anything to that effect. You've got to think they're the favorite right now in the NBA as a whole, but specifically the East. Right. Right. And I think the East is the better division now, isn't it? As a whole, I would have to agree. I mean, top to bottom, at least. Yeah. O- overall, top to bottom, I would say that they are better. <clears throat> I mean, you got the, the Lakers, I guess, are what? The 13th seed in the West. And they got your your boy there, but my boy yeah the goat the goat sure sure we'll see about that (laughs) anyway anyway sean we're we're not gonna have that conversation not tonight Uh, it (laughs) it's getting late yeah need a nap so Green Bay Packers football, Sean. Aaron Rodgers has emerged out of the darkness. Yep. We still don't have a decision. We know that one is coming soon. Um, and really, you know, a lot of teams, maybe it's just for trade uh, talk and having a little bit of of leverage, but a lot of those big names you've kind of seen floating around, have already kind of said they're out. Uh, no, the Raiders have no, most notably been the one saying that they're not looking for a one-year rental at the position. I seen a new team come come to fruition this week too. Who's that? The Commanders. Interesting. Because they they cut Carson once, so they saved like twenty 
six million or something like that in sure. salary cap. So sure. that was another not that you can't really see him trading in the NFC, but if you got a good enough package, do you really not? Uh I think if there was going to be an NFC team, it may be the Commanders. Yeah, that's the only that's the one team that somewhat makes sense. But at the same time, I I wouldn't count on it. Because because really, I think that team is just a good quarterback away. Well, you look. I mean, defensively they're stacked. Offensively, they have they have room to grow. They're not amazing by any stretch of the imagination, but but they got they got two solid running backs. They got a number one wide receiver. They got a decent tight end. I mean, you add another receiver, the O line's pretty sal- or not salvageable, but reliable. I mean, I think I think you throw throw Aaron Rodgers in there. I think that'd be a That'd for sure be a playoff team, but that's going to be a tough NFC East. That's for sure. That's an NFC East that would be definitely be a grind because I don't think Philadelphia is going anywhere anytime soon. At no. least not in the next two to three years anyway. Dallas seems like they're going to be at the very least competitive year in, year out. Yeah. And then you've got the Giants who, for all intents and purposes, had a pretty good year. Yeah, I don't think they're going to keep it up, though. I think Saquon's leaving. Think so? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm voting. I'm. I'm calling it now. Saqu- Saquon's going to Buffalo. That would be one hell of a signing, right? That's that's where that's where I'm saying he's going to go. I like you the throw, idea of that a lot. You throw Saquon in that Buffalo offense. I don't know how you stop it. That'd be that'd be nightmarish for the rest of the NFL. Right. Uh anyway, so kind of staying with that track though. Um you know, like I said, the the Raiders say they're out. The Jets are kind of going back and forth. You know, you don't you don't really know where they're at. They've you know, they've had, you know, it's said that they don't intend to you know, go all in on that position. But then, you know, they're meeting with Derek Carr. And I think, personally, I think that's a better fit for them than Aaron Rodgers would be anyway. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And that's where it gets interesting, I think, in the sense that, you know, are these teams going to want that true one-year rental? Are they going to want to go with a guy who kind of keeps going back and forth on what he wants to do on a year-out and year-out basis. You think it's only going to be one more year? I'm not... I wouldn't doubt it. You know, because I'm not even sure if he's returning this year. True. Very true. But if, if he were, I definitely could see the case where it being one more year. I don't think he's playing two or three. I think we've already kind of seen the injuries, you know, at the very least catch up this last year. And, yeah. and yeah, you know, you, you get in a healthy off season, you kind of get your body back. Right. And hope that, 
you know, maybe it was kind of a down year, a fluke year. But yeah, it's just it's one of those where it's okay. Well, you know what? What options? You know, what do you give up for a guy like that? I don't. I don't think you give up a whole lot, to be honest with you. I, you know, I think that the Packers are going to want more. I think that if Aaron Rodgers says, you know, I, I want to be out or I want, you know, I'll, maybe he'll come to them and say, I want to retire or I want to be traded. You know, if the Packers can't get a deal that suits them, I think they say, hey, this is what it is. You can either retire or you can play. But if you're playing, it's going to be here. Yeah, I th- I think I think the teams are just dwindling and... There's, by the time he makes a decision here, I don't know there's going to be much left if he does want to get traded. Was it Gary Sheffield, by the way? No. Damn it. Another one that came to mind. Um, yeah, it, it is one of those things where, and to be honest, and again, I know we say this every week we talk about this. I truly don't think it's a, you know, to be traded. I think it's retire or play here. And I've said that the last two, three years, and I say that every week that we've been doing this, but I I really still think that that's the case. Now, the Packers did make some moves today in the last few days here that do kind of point towards, well, depending on what you believe. <laughs> Again, you know, we talked about the Aaron Jones move last week, the restructure. Uh, Packers are currently in talks to restructure Bakhtiari as opposed to a cut, which I think, you know, if you're on the train of having Aaron Rodgers stay around, that points very well because he wants to play with Aaron Jones. He wants to play with Bakhtiari. Uh, those Didn't are Kenny Clark already now too. They did today. That's what I was going to say. That was the news oh. today where they freed up, um, I believe $14 million in cap space with turning his, a lot of his money into a restructure where it's a bonus money. Um, kind of one of the, so we talk about the Packers and how the last, what five years or so they've been pushing money down the line and hoping for the best. We're kind of at the, you know, I I didn't really think about it this way until today. And I saw this and I I can't remember who tweeted it. So I do, you know, I do apologize to whoever, you know, I'm not going to give them credit. Not that they're listening anyway, but um, that they're kind of at the easy part. Yes. They're, they were in financial, you know, uh, cap hell this year. Again, they started the off season, $16 million in the hole. Before the restructure of Kenny Clark, I believe they were already four or five million in the green, and then okay. that, that frees up a good number, you know, another good chunk of cap space. You figure trade or not, or retirement or not, Aaron Rodgers is going to free up some of that money too, in some capacity. So that's another chunk of change that's going to come open too. So you're really, I mean, you did all these contracts the last few years with the option to either restructure or to cut. In a lot of cases, you've had a lot more restructures than cuts for some of your more um, big name impact players. So all things considered, I think the Packers have actually kind of made a model. If this would be the case long term where the, you know, the cap, the salary cap gets if it ever goes down again or if it, you know, kind of stays stagnant for a few years, they kind of made a model of what to do with, you know, if you want to stay in contention and keep your, your salary options open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've seen the restructures coming around. We've seen, we, we know 
in some capacity, we're going to get an Aaron Rodgers restructure. That's just what's going to happen, whether that be him playing here, retiring, or you know, even requesting a trade. Um, just to avoid the dead cap, you know, that's going to happen as well. So, so, it's, so a trade, we still end up with his salary on the cap or no? You end up with some. You end up with dead cap. But depending on what you would negotiate with the other team and with Aaron prior to a, a formal trade occurring, um, you do have some some wiggle room. Okay. Um, to make that happen. And truthfully, I think what you could technically do, and I'm, I, I don't know the ins and outs of this, but you could find a team... Say, let's just use the Jets because they're the ones that kind of come to mind with that draft pick being like 13th instead of the fifth, you know, 16th or whatever. Yeah. But let's just say you agreed to a trip with the Jets, right? And you're going to move up. Well, the Aaron Rodgers financial side doesn't really get beneficial to you until after June 1st. Okay. So in a roundabout sense, and it, it's still, it's a rough trade after June 1st, salary cap wise. But it's a lot better than doing it, say, tomorrow. Yep. Okay. But I think you end up saying, I think you go from a dead cap hit of like 100 million to a dead cap of 68 million. Still a lot. Still a hard hit. But a lot more negotiable, I guess, in that sense. So, what you could, in theory, do, and I don't know if the NFL would actually allow this or if I'm just maybe making something up, but it feels right and it feels like something that they could do. You agree to swap picks. You do like a first round pick, you know, with the agreement that Rodgers gets traded. And I think you switch those picks this year. Say you do like the the Jets first and a Jets second. Packers give back like a sixth or a fifth or whatever. Okay. I think technically you could probably make that into two trades. Where you swap the picks this year for this draft. Because if you're going to make a deal with the team, it's going to be for this draft. That's, that's pretty much non-negotiable because if a team's and I've said this along the way too, if a team truly believes that they're a quarterback away, say like the commanders or the jets or whoever, if you're trading them, you know, your franchise quarterback, a guy that could win them a super bowl in theory, you're not going to trade them a first round pick because that first round pick is worthless to you because it's basically a second round pick with a first, you know, that fifth year option, which is still nice. Mm -hmm. But it just it defeats the purpose of of you know moving up, Un, unless you're the Denver Broncos and give Seattle the, the, the everything for Russell sure. Wilson. Right, but I think you could technically do two trades. I don't know if the NFL would allow that or if I'm just maybe overthinking it or simplifying it too much. One or the other, but I think you could do a trade for the picks and then after June first trade the player and then like a second router next year. I think you could do. In a fifth year next year or something. Just to, again, so you actually have some compensation going back to them. I, I've seen, like, it's for, like, conditional first-round pick. Like, if Rodgers is on the team next year. Sure. Type type things. If it's a first-round pick or otherwise second-round pick. Sure. I've seen a lot of stuff like that. But other than that, that's really all I've seen. So, as it stands today, um, you know, depending, again, on where, you know, you can really make the argument any which way. Uh, worth noting, while we're talking about it, 
that Brandon Marshall got in a little bit of hot water last night. Uh oh. Um, former Bears receiver among a number of other teams, but he t- put on his Instagram story, "Congrats on retirement to Aaron Rodgers." And everyone and their brother was, you know, kind of thinking, you know, did he just leak this? Did he? Did he, you know, is he the one we're going to find out from on an Instagram story instead of the, you know, the the podcast about the darkness retreat instead of the Pat McAfee show instead of Greg or uh, James Jones? Are we going to find out from Brandon Marshall doing something stupid? Right. Um, as it stands today, they were able to kind of walk that back and or Brandon Marshall was able to kind of walk that back saying, yeah, you know, I don't I didn't actually say this. If you listen to the podcast he was promoting. He says that Rogers should retire, not that he is retiring. And then his comments that he posted the promo of were from after that. Gotcha. So there was there was kind of a, a roundabout way to it. But it was kind of one of those where it was oh, maybe. Of course, it's going to start all the drama. Right. And then, you know, we had the the podcast today about the darkness retreat, which I mean, was a, a very enlightening about a darkness retreat. Everyone was kind of expecting maybe some sort of of news there. It didn't come. Um, all it said was, and that's where we kind of end up today, is that a decision is coming in the very near future. Well, so pretty much it's got to come before the draft, right? It's got, well, he and the team have kind of pointed to March 15th, which would be the start of free agency. Okay. So we're essentially two weeks away from some sort of decision at the very latest. But I I do think we get that before. Definitely before the draft. Well, I think we get it before the 15th. I think, you know, last oh, year, I think last year we got the announcement a week from today, which would have been March 8th last year. I think the announcement came. Um. Now, with that in mind, you know, do I, th- you know, is there some significance to that date or is that just kind of, again, what happened last year? I, I don't know. But Knowing it, Rogers, there's got to be some significance to it. You know, I think realistically we could be looking at, you know, just looking at the calendar here, the 7th would be a Pat McAfee Tuesday. That would be awesome if it was on his show. Or it could be the 14th. You know, those would be the two Pat McAfee show Tuesdays. Um, maybe we get a whole different swerve where it's not even on a Tuesday. Yeah. You know, I I think, you know, in just while we're talking about it, you know, all depending on, again, what you think, you can point to so many different things. The kind of the, the narrative being said around the NFL and, and around Green Bay right now. Um, is right now it kind of seems like a breakup that, you know, both sides know a breakup is coming, but neither wants to acknowledge it. Yeah. I believe that's the press gazette had that as an article today. So maybe it comes and, and neither want, neither side wants to be the bad guy. Neither side necessarily has to be the bad guy. I don't think there has to be a bad guy. Um, we heard Brian Gutekind say at the combine earlier this week that should, Aaron Rodgers decide to retire or decide he wants to trade the Packers and Brian Gutekinds believe Jordan Love is ready. And that's kind of the first, 
from the front office that we've heard about it. They say that all options are on the on the table, yada yada. But we also, you know, we've gotten reports from, you know, again, he's not in the inner circle, but we've got reports from Ian Rappaport saying that if Rogers said he wanted to come back to Green Bay, the team would open him with welcome arms. We've even seen that last week with the reports from Jeff Darlington, uh, Rob Domovsky kind of giving nod to that as well here in Green Bay. So it's kind of one of those where it's very possible, very plausible that, that could be the case. And even some of the different people opining today that another one year kind of, you know, this is it tour, if you will. Maybe that's, you know, the 2023 train is is truly it. Talk a little lot, you know, talk about last dance, 23, Jordan. Maybe you go that route. I don't know. Right. I don't I, I think the only person that knows is Aaron Rodgers and everybody's just speculation. Yep. So Sean, as we we've done every week since the end of the season. As it stands today, February or March first. Holy shit. March first. What's the opinion? I think he retires. I think I'm gonna go with I think I stuck with retirement. Was I retirement last week? I don't remember. I wasn't you kind of get a better track. If one of our loyal listeners wants to, you know, start an Excel document about what we say each week, it'd be great. Yeah, Car- Carolyn's on it. Awesome. She, she told me. She told me I didn't. I said he must have played that last week. I think I said he was going to play last week. But I I'm thought going that for- was the case too. I know that. I think maybe I said retire last week. I don't remember. Can, can Carolyn confirm what I said last week? No, she can't confirm. She. Thinking. She's thinking. But. I I feel like I said retire last week. I you know to be honest with you, I'm kind of sticking with that. I'm going to stay with that one for this week. Yeah, I'm going to go retire too. It just, it seems, you know, you talk about, you know, the, the quote unquote breakup or whatever. It just kind of seems like that's, you know, the team hasn't had a whole lot of communication out. You know, they've outwardly now said high things about Jordan Love. I don't think Aaron wants to go to a different team, especially, and I don't think there's really a market. You know, I think a lot of people have said very upfront that the the bad outweighs the good, even the perceived bad. Cause I, I really don't think there's that much bad either, to be honest with you. No. You know, we talk about the drama or whatever, but it's a guy who's played for 18 years of pro football, almost 19 now, and had four years of college football and has been playing since high school. I mean, the guy graduated high school before a lot of people in the NFL were even alive. Right. Which is just wild to think about. I think he would have graduated, what, 01? high school we have guys being born in the 2000s now in the nfl yeah so it's just one of you know you talk you can talk about drama you can talk about holding a team hostage or whatever i don't i don't see it that way i know you know maybe it's just the quote-unquote fan to me or whatever i i just think it's being overblown i think it's you know nothing but media speculation because the green Bay packers are a historic franchise they have a hall of fame quarterback and Tom Brady made it no fun for him, them to focus on him. Wait. So they've got to have something to run with. So why not Aaron Rodgers? He was, you know, the guy that was quiet for so long and very polarizing. 
and he made it easy to to kind of you know not pick on him, but kind of easy to pick on him for a long time. And he kind of you know easy. for the haters, he makes easy it easy now. Easy to kind of hate. Yeah. And make and turn. Well, how do I want to say this? Easy to spin stuff with. Sure. Because he didn't like talking to the media all that much. He did a did what he had to do and that was about it and then he ducks everybody except pat mcafee he doesn't right. want to you know one of the things that's always kind of bothered me i guess in the green bay media circles and i'm not putting any one specific person on blast here but it seems like because they didn't he didn't cozy up to them because he didn't you know he didn't have like an exclusive show i mean he did a little bit with jason moldy for a while but uh, because he didn't have that long-term exclusive, like, you know, appearance on on Channel 2 or or Channel 5, you know, whatever TV station or whatever radio station you want to go with. He didn't have that. Yep. He didn't. He had the ESPN Milwaukee show with Jason Wildey for a couple of years, but, you know, he didn't go that route. He's probably not going to be in a hurry to write a book with any of the Green Bay Media Markets people or any of the writers. Um. So he didn't cozy up. He didn't, you know, I guess he didn't play the game, if you will. And I think that pissed a lot of the media people off, too. Yeah. Big part of it that doesn't get talked about enough is that because he didn't play the game, if you will, that they didn't want to see, you know, they made up their stories and they ran with it, they spun narratives, and they made him the bad guy instead of them being the bad guy. Instead of analyzing why doesn't Rodgers want to do this with us or why doesn't he want to, you know, why doesn't he do this at all except with Pat McAfee, even his last contract negotiation prior to the one last year, um, we knew, what, 2016, 2017, that James Jones was going to announce it. Wait. And he didn't make friends. He didn't let Schefter do it. He didn't let Rappaport do it. He didn't like let Domovsky do it. It went to his buddy. And I, I think that says a lot about a positive about Aaron Rodgers and in the grand scheme of things. But of course, you'll you know, the only way you'll hear it is, oh, yeah, he, he only cares about his buddies. He only cares about this, quote unquote, inner circle. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It's so. his the whole the whole Aaron Rodgers saga, if this is the end or if we're going to get one more year for the, you know, if it's going to be one more year somewhere else, it it really is baffling to me. And I, I've said this a lot, but how you can have a franchise quarterback probably be one of the most hated people in that franchise's history too, by the, his own fans. Right. And, and at this point, even national media people speculating on, is he really that great? I heard that on a talk show here in Green or on CBS Sports Radio. I can't remember who was hosting, but uh, that was something along the lines that was being talked about. Is is he that great, or is it just because he was in the fantasy era of the quarterback boom, or was he really that much of an all-time great quarterback skill-wise? And it's just, what are you people talking about? Right, because I so I seen the rankings of the top or the thirty-two best quarterback, or they ranked all thirty-two quarterbacks from sure. This upcoming year, he was still ranked eighth. Yeah, and that's not, you don't even know if he's going to play. Right. So but it's just, and then, you know, even talking about his Super Bowl, because they're one of the big knocks is he only has the one Super Bowl, he only got to one, blah, blah, blah. But 
everyone knocks, you know, and I even heard people knocking that Super Bowl run on on uh, the JR Sports Brief on CBS talking about um, how he got lucky in 2000 in 2010, where he got lucky because in the opening round, David Akers missed a bunch of field goals. And then the the producer even said they skated by Atlanta, which is far from true. I mean, they dominated Atlanta. And then they play, then they knock, you know, oh, yep. Then he played Jay Cutler in the Bears and they got past that game. And then they, you know, it's one game left and they played, he played pretty, he played pretty good. You know, he was okay in the Super Bowl. But what the hell are you talking about? Wait. Anyway. So that's. Yeah, but, well, one, one last thing. Everybody said Dan Marino is an all time great and he never even got to a Super Bowl. So it's. And. And you're going to tell me that you'd rather have Joe Flacco, Trent Dilfer, Eli Manning over Dan Marino or Aaron Rodgers? Right. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. Can you imagine what this Hall of Fame class is going to look, look like if Aaron Rodgers does retire, though? For sure, you'd have J.J. Watt, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers. Those would be three first ballot guys without doubt. You think if Jason Kelsey retires that he'd go in the Hall of Fame? Sure, absolutely. He would be a first ballot Hall of Fame. He's got a Super Bowl, two Super Bowl appearances. Absolutely. And one of the better all-time centers of all time. Well, exactly. And I feel like you could have Trent Williams retire. Because he's 40, I think, isn't he? He's up there. I don't know his exact age, but absolutely he could. And he's one of the best left tackles of all time. Sure. So I mean, you got a, this Hall of Fame class could be one of the best Hall of Fame classes of all time. It very well could, and I think I don't think that's going to go into the consideration of no. his decision. No, I don't either. He but said it won't. But just looking at it from an out, outside point of view, it just it'd be crazy what this Hall of Fame class could look like. Absolutely. Um, real quick, Sean, just because we're talking about this and. I, I want to have this conversation because I've been really mad about people online. <laughs> what else is new? Sterling Sharp. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Really? Yes. I want to ask, I want to preface this. Are you basing that on what he did or what he could, would have done? What he did. Interesting. Very, and I find this very interesting because I've had this conversation online, and I personally say no. If Shannon Sharp is in, Sterling Sharp needs to be in. He Shannon was way better than what Sterling Sharp was, or what I, Shannon. I understand that, but the, here's the problem I have with it, and I'm just gonna make this real quick because I'm, you know, we've been talking a long time about football. Yeah. And I don't, and I'll let you respond, and maybe we'll go back and forth like one or two here, but. The the numbers, yes, he was ahead of his time. I will 100% admit that. However, when you look at the end numbers, because he was a receiver, he wasn't a tight end. That's that's very important. Mm-hmm. When you compare him to what he actually did, and yes, he had some great individual seasons. I'm not going to take that away from him. I, I think he had a hell of a career for what he did play. I think had he played two years longer, or technically three, I think, to get to the Super Bowl, I think he's a no doubt lock Hall of Famer. He was very much on pace for Hall of Fame. With that said, where his end numbers are, 
and how hard it has been for Hall of Fame receivers to get into the Hall of Fame without, especially without a ring, but even with a ring. You look at guys, Reggie Wayne is not in the Hall of Fame. Reggie Wayne has three or four thousand more yards, a number more touchdowns, et cetera. Played a few extra, played a lot longer, but still has those numbers, has a ring, isn't in. Chad Ochocinco, Chad Johnson, yes, he had the the personality or whatever was the personality issues, but statistically was one of the better receivers all time. Arguably top five when he retired. And he took a couple years to get in. He didn't have a ring either, but that kind of proves my point. Better numbers than Sterling Sharp. So when you consider all that, and these are just some of the numbers. I think uh, Torrey Holt's still on the outside looking in, and I think his numbers were better. Uh, Marvin Harrison finally got in. I think he, I mean, I know he had better numbers. I'm not sure if Isaac Bruce is in or not yet. Just kind of looking at that greatest show on turf team. But all these guys having better numbers. I'd even go look at within the Packers organization. Jordy Nelson had more career yards and has a ring. Donald Driver, same same situation, more yards, more touchdowns, etc. Those guys won't be Hall of Famers. And again, should, I think, if Sterling Sharp plays a couple extra years, gets a ring, Maybe that is a different case. I think you could also argue maybe they don't win the ring with him playing because with him being out, Favre had to spread the ball around more. But that's why I don't think he is. Uh, yeah, I don't. I just I just feel like he should be in. Because once again, this the Hall of Fame has become the Hall of really good. It's not really... Yeah, absolutely. And then by that logic, he probably will get in in 20 years or whatever when he's older right. and they get the veterans committee, just Leroy Butler. Okay. Can, is Leroy Butler really a Hall of Famer? Can we? Absolutely can not. We... Should have been. I, and I, I'd say the same situation. He was on pace for a Hall of Fame career. It was cut short by injury. Very tragic. I hate that it happened. But I don't think what he accomplished on the field in the time that he did was worthy of a hall of fame spot. Right. It's, it's just, it's one of those things where you, you, we, we can sit here and speculate on everything of if he would have played three more years, what would he, what would his numbers be? Would he be one of the best of all time? Sure. Probably he'd probably be up there. For, sure. for that for that generation. But like you said, he doesn't have the numbers, but I still feel like he should he should be in because he's better than a lot of guys that are in. Yeah, no doubt. He is better than a lot of guys who are in. But I think that even kind of proves the point more that again, it's the hall of very good. Yeah. Anyway, Sean, let's wrap this thing up. Yep, let's um, wrap. We're going to talk about our bar of the week, and this is going to a Gillette bar that I had the pleasure of going to last weekend on Friday night after the, the Liam Benefits. Took Sean into Sandy Corners for the first time up in Gillette. Um, did we already do Sandy Corners? I don't think so. Maybe we did. No, we did. 
don't know. Anyways, well, anyways, go ahead. Let's pretend we did. I'll do Club 32 instead. We haven't gone there together, but um, we'll use Club 32 instead because they deserve a shout too. Right next door to Sandy Corners. Right. Can't go wrong. Either building you walk into. Uh, Club 32 does have a 4.6 rating on Google reviews. They honestly, the pizza, the pizza Great. is die for. I mean, the rest of the food is really good too. Do not get me wrong. Pizza is incredible. The homemade chips with sour cream. Chicken, also chicken incredible. Too. Cannot go wrong. Some of the uh, reviews here. Nice place. Good food. Well decorated. Great place to meet up with friends to get caught up. Uh, another five-star review. Very tasty food. Great drink options. Very good service. Super location worth the stop. Family-friendly, positive environment, affordable and clean. Food quality is amazing. Customer service is great. So really, you can't go wrong there. Um, I always recommend, again, I'll always recommend pizza. Their yep. pizza is one of, I would say, the best in northeast Wisconsin. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So that is Club 32, Jill, Wisconsin, at the address. I'm just going to get make sure I have that correct. It's on address always... is 5506 Wisconsin 32 in Jill, Wisconsin. Right next door to Sandy Corners. Right, now, right with that, Sean, let's put a bow on this thing. What are you rooting for in the upcoming week? In the upcoming week, uh, let's can we can we just go college basketball because I think that's going to be absolutely crazy coming up in this next week here, and or at least starting to get crazy, and it should just be a fun fun whole month of March. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go that route too, Sean. I'm going to go with the world of basketball as a whole, a little bit of a cop up. We've got girls sectionals here in the state of Wisconsin, so um, some teams' season coming to an end, some teams. Hit that road to the rush, and we'll be guaranteed at least a game at the rush center next week. Um, so that kind of culminates this weekend. Boys regionals underway as well. They'll kind of finish up as well. And then we've got mid-major conference tournament, Sean. We've got the Badgers regular season coming to an end and Marquette coming to an end this week as well. Uh, their conference tournament will start next week as well. But what a time. What a time. And then, obviously, I'm going to shout out baseball as well. World Baseball Classic getting underway. Games that don't matter for the MLB season, but do matter in the grand scheme of things for a tournament. Meaningful games happening. Be sure to check it out. Yeah, it's going to be a great month. going to be a great month. That's all I can say. All right, let's put a bow on this thing for myself, Eric, Sean, joining me via Skype. For Shauna, uh, Ramsey, and Justin not here. Be sure to check out the Root for Wisconsin show on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. Be sure to check out our YouTube page for the Back to the Root show, which will get back underway next week, hopefully. With that in mind, we are out. Episode 107 is in the books. See ya. Bye.